Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Business Rendezvous, an initiative by the PR Committee of NMIMS Navi Mumbai. This is your host Ajitesh Singh, and I, along with my co-host Amba Chatraj, bring episodes to you every Thursday. This week, listen to our episode as we dig deeper into the real estate sector with Shovik Sarkar, who runs his own agency in real estate consulting and has been in the industry for quite some time now. So Shovik, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Business Rendezvous. You've had quite an interesting and inspiring journey, I'd say, from the flamboyant advertising industry to the notorious real estate sector, and now finally to the consultancy business. To be honest, I feel most of the people don't take as much risk playing with their career as you did. They're like, if I enter TCS once, I'd stay here for all the time I have. I won't experiment with my life. So this is the trait of most of the boomers. While I feel that our generation is quite different. What are your views on this? I think uh, one has to start really with the definition of risk. Um, for me, uh, I think I think risk is whenever you get into uncharted territory without doing having significant information. That's really called you know the brutal essence of true risk appetite. Um, in my case, however, it's been an evolutionary journey from being an English honors graduate to um, a PG degree in journalism to a long-winded eight-year, uh, you know, course in, in 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 copywriting and advertising, and then finally an MBA from ISB, uh, then real estate, and f- uh, for the last two and a half years, I've had my own consultancy. So, so I think the definition of risk varies in terms of you know, typically salaried professions evaluated in terms of risk reward ratio. For me, it was always a progressive journey where um, the simple uh, reasoning that I put to the test was, am I learning more? Am I progressively becoming a better professional? Am I contributing more to my spectrum of business understanding? Uh, To which extent, well, imagine a pure English honor student getting into advertising. I think it's a very natural migratory course. Um, uh, advertising is seen to be flamboyant, not really so much. It used to be a lot of hard work, a um, lot of interesting journeys, storytelling opportunities, engagements with some very bright young minds as well. But um, as 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 fact will have it, uh, for me, um, I always felt that you know there, there was a larger signal mechanism insofar as one's career was concerned. And for me, the signal mechanism turned out to be uh, an MBA from a good B school. So I passed out from Indian School of Business in 2010. And uh, thereafter was with Lodha Group, um, emerging as a category head in marketing. So the learnings were varied, they were different. I could apply, interestingly, I could apply a lot of my learnings to um, the next stage of my career. So I wouldn't really call it much of a risk, but yeah, a painstaking journey, which was in some sense, um, self-driven in some some self-unguided but for the most part uh, a very rich learning process um, insofar as your observation of baby boomers being more complacent and more settled in their jobs let's understand the background they come from like for instance our parents who were used to stability uh, stability of government job or so on and so forth can't be blamed for the simple reasoning that they were not exposed to the opportunities that 
you know uh, 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 an open economy could offer today you can have a venture capitalist or private equity funding your entrepreneurial dream you pass uh, the initial test and suddenly from a one man ship you can go to a 500 member army and 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 in fact even burn investor money towards uh, what you call uh, the pipe dream of growing an organization so so baby boomers of course came in from a, a quasi uh, deflation stagflation scenario to which extent their appetite for risk would be minimized today's generation i think is far more exposed is is far more connected digitally and hence the opportunities and the spectrum of what can be done is really out there for them to consume and try out in their lives i fundamentally think from the ages of 20 in your 20s to your 30s and to an extent your 40s is a good time to really set sail experiment chart different waters um that to my mind is not risk risk true risk is when um one does not calculate what is out there most of us entrepreneurs are actually very calculative risk takers in that sense so so yes i would encourage anyone to take calculated risks as long as the journey seems progressive uh, and not just in remunerative terms also in in the in the learning curve yeah so it's like you have learned a lot and it's uh, somewhat similar to what the author of rich dad poor dad says you need to manage your risks in order to you know succeed in this uh, wave of yeah. entrepreneurship so i'd like to cite a few examples here. like if you look at you know like elon musk yeah he did paypal and now today he's 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 a he's a multi billionaire um, uh, you know funding um things as as diverse as you know spacex which is a very explorative journey towards you know colonizing mars to uh, tesla which is really the future of automobiles in terms of you know a uh, 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 migration from fossil fuels to the boring company which you know uh, helps you transit from one city to other to the other in a very minimal amount of time to neuralink which is the the study of synapses and how the brain really operates so i think that's real risk that's that's somebody putting his hard earned money out there to explore new territories uh, look at kiran mazumdar shah she actually wanted to, the founder you know the founder of biocon yeah she started to be wanting to be a brew brew master but i think because of the gender biases she ended up you know willingly she ended up circumstantially um and and uh, with a lot of serendipity into this whole enzyme business and thus biocon was formulated piyush pandey piyush pandey was a, a ranji trophy cricketer who later migrated into guided him into it and he became uh, the grand old you know powerhouse big daddy of indian advertising looked at jack ma rejected by harvard 10 times gave it all he had you know so that's real risk i think i think that to my mind is real risk um uh, when when you really don't know what the future holds but you're still going out there and doing your thing uh shobik you know you were talking about how your journey has been a very has not been that guided you know you there was a phrase that you used that your journey has been a very unguided one you know yeah. so talking about that did it ever occur to you as in you know there was no surety about future has that ever occurred to you you know in the past as in what you were doing maybe you were not certain about it has that ever occurred to you as in you were not sure about how your future might be like or what your future holds 
sure sure so um i do believe in a short term you know vision and ex- heavy on operations and execution and long term vision however the definition of again of long what you call long term can be debated it could be 3 years for somebody 5 years for somebody else someone else and even a decade for me i think i have always thrived on the present which is a complete immersion in what i'm doing to the best uh, extent possible which in some sense mitigates the risk associated with the future so um did advertising change to a very large digitized format yes it did was i equipped for it yes i was because i used to study a lot of you know digitized content so so the so the way one a creative person may equip oneself towards the future is 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 again a function of exposure and adaptation um was was real estate ever a cause of concern yes it was at a time when you know there was a downturn we had fantastic strategic thinkers at lodha group who would circle around and devise strategies to you know come out of that crisis so yes there were times when at a collective level uh, with an organization i would feel not very sure about the future but when you really you know put your back to the wall you start thinking about it you chart out your plans document them and start executing them the present rolls its way towards the future in a very definitive and and you know not so abstract man now uh shovik as you have been in the advertising industry and you also have been a marketer for a good amount of time that too in an industry where people confuse uh, marketing with sales what is the difference amongst the three uh, how would you explain this to uh, newbies like us sure so so i mean if you look at a you know the definitions of each of these from a purist perspective i think marketing is well you can't indefinitely have uh you know a product or a service which is not exposed to the market there was a point of time back in the 30s i think um or right after the industrialization age where people were producing more or producing less basis what they assessed was demand so for instance when henry ford came out with a car he really didn't need to advertise as much or market his product as much it just flew like hot cakes right so so now what has happened is with increased competition you need to have a fine blend of art and science the art of uh, narrative storytelling and the science of demand uh, understanding um, market understanding consumer insights to define your product to define how much inventory you want to produce at what price points your skus should be and how you go to market that for me in a blend is really uh, the marketing ecosystem so at at some level you you're managing the overall business ecosystem marketing is looking at profitability marketing is also looking at overall market share while also trying to grow the market marketing is also responsible for looking at brand affinity and to what extent that relates to profits and of course if you dig a little deeper you're also responsible looking at a company's cash flow levels along with your cfo equivalent and working on uh, uh, business strategies so at a, at a very fundamental level marketing applies a lot of science to managing inventory uh, demand assessment consumer insights uh, market understanding price points product mix and then go to market strategy advertising is a, a small part of this marketing gamut which is purely right brain 
it's a lot of creativity it is blending consumer insights which is very left brain to a storytelling format for the consumer which will help a consumer understand what's in it for a product in in a product and service that embellishes his life so i have a product of a great service as a marketer i need to go out to market while managing all my cash flows my my sku's my price points my inventory advertising is the art with which i go to market in a storytelling format and sales is the driving engine for business all the operations that you do with a commercial exchange of a product or service for money is sales so so uh, how do you distinguish you guys must be aware right bulk of your startups are really burning through cash in in their attempt to get larger market share now you can have a serious um you know revenue generating um organization fundamentally negative net negative on cash flows which means i can have i can have a loss making startup at 100 crores in sales but 150 crores in losses or 50 crores in losses now what is the solution the solution is to maximize margin per unit maximize unit economics how do i make my unit positive right price positive and then expand volume in so far as sales is concerned to the extent that you break even and over a period of time you know you actually chart out profitability so sales is nothing but the exercise it's it's a cost center first of all sales is always a cost center sales is the cost center and the operations which drives that commercial transaction between the consumer and the product slash service marketing is science and art advertising is a storytelling sales is the mechanism with which you exchange money for the product or service is that clear enough for you guys yeah yeah it has been like uh you know shovik before moving forward to the real estate sector i like to ask you how can someone like us get into the advertising industry and what are the skills that are required and what is expected of us as a fresher because even you started your career from the very same industry i believe yes ajitesh one has to really understand the various parts of you know advertising i think uh, a bulk of people uh, you know candidates who end up doing uh, getting a business background um, will be well rounded towards a st- strategy and planning role brand strategy role which basically charts out um the story or the approach that should be taken for a product across its life cycle right uh then there is the creative function and that part you have a client servicing function so 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 a creative function would be a, a fairly large shift from you know left brain bba or mba to right brain creativity and i also believe the starting salaries are fairly low so uh, the question is whether you want to make an ingress into into uh, a zone which is low paying because that really s- sets up your base for a start uh, brand planning and and uh, you know strategic planning for brands is something which might be of interest for fresh mbas or bbas and i think that's where a fair amount of intelligence and consumer insights come into play you'll you'll be doing a lot of market research consumer research and blending the brand story into a narrative which renders itself into a campaign or a few campaigns um i think i think 
the best way to go about it is to equip yourself with case studies on how some of the best brands derive their briefs and how the agency turned that brief into something absolutely appealing case in point let's look at you know um um let's look at how um you know let's say maruti came up with nexa i think nexa was a brilliant um you know offshoot or a luxury equivalent of a very popular mass product um given a fa- fairly uh, fresh brand identity uh case in uh, case in point would be ikea and the way it makes its market entries into india right at the day it opened in hyderabad it got 40000 people cramping up the store case in point yeah. for a brand story would be cadbury and 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 the incident that it had with you know um with its course correction on um you know the the perceived notion and of course it was the truth they had worms and you know some infected products uh case in point would be bajaj and the way it's done its marketing today so how does great marketing blend with great advertising to commit a cogent story over the years and then once you have a, you know a, a, a strong handle on this you're better equipped to pitch yourself to an ad agency see most of the ad agencies really need thinkers uh, who are good with the left brain function a lot of right brain functions creatives come into the fold and really there's no uh, you know entry barrier to that but there seems to be a little bit of a entry barrier in so far as left brain planning and strategy good planning and strategy can really make or break a creative right you see some of things they are really not riding on excellent creativity alone but on somebody who fundamentally cracked a great story for the brand a great approach for the brand right so um yeah i i think i think for a bba uh, the natural migration towards uh, would be towards a planning a strategic planning role so uh, what i generally do is uh, nowadays yeah. since i am in my uh, third year so i have been promoted to my third year now what i do is uh, when i uh, look at these job portals i just look at the skills uh, they are asking for in the job description and i try to match it with my skill sets and mold them into what is needed is that a good way of uh, you know moving about to any uh, sort of an industry well i think i think a lot of job descriptions will be uh, frankly derivative of the person who's crafting them job descriptions are extremely average they're not well crafted out purely because of the exposure of the person right so you're better off studying some of the world's best advertising agencies like you know goodby silverstein or bartle begarty bartle begal hegarty bbh or dindoil burnbach and see how they craft out the jds how you know one of the top agencies in new york would be crafting out their uh, role descriptor for a, for a strategist brand strategist so i'm i've got nothing against indian agencies but i think the general quality of you know a throughput is is largely a function of input and output both so so i would not do that i would probably look at the world best examples and then jot out my personal kris and kpis and then work around that that's the way best way to do it okay so other way to look at the curriculum of some of the best communication schools in the world and really you know try and sort of assimilate that in a nutshell you know what 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 does brand planning mean what does um you know what do the four pieces of marketing entail into right 
and how you can break it up across um, categories or segments or industries. And once you really drill that down to a two-page document, you're better off understanding what might be a requisite fit for uh, for a role in advertising. Yeah. Okay, since we are talking about jobs, uh, do you think that the possibility of landing a job is uh, directly proportional to the number of skills you possess? Uh, is uh, being a jack of all trades actually good than being a master of none? Well, um, Amber, my point here is um, it's it's not uh, contrary to how you might feel about it. It's not the multiplicity of talent that is um, that's a big draw for uh, employers. Uh, that's almost a given. Today, the lowest common denominator is you know somebody's doing um, pro bono social consulting work. Some you know in, in a lot of cases, students are you know helming various positions in committees. So the fact of the matter is, what it really boils down to is, to my mind, how cohesively, how coherently you can really put structure around your ideas and thoughts and, and present them to a company. So, do you have, first of all, do you have good steady grades? Do you have a great temperament? Do you have the right composure when you're having a discussion with the interview panel? Are you a, a, you know, a, a well-rounded personality with uh, demonstrated skill sets? That apart, what it really boils down to is because you're in, in, interacting with the person live, how well you structure your thoughts, how well you articulate those thoughts, whether you have clarity of purpose, how well you uh, articulate your clarity of purpose, your short and long-term vision, and your understanding of a given role. So I think the consultative approach, when you're gearing up for great interviews, the consultative approach, which is you know case studies, problem solution um, situations, um, abstract situations which force you to put uh, analysis towards a given solution. For instance, I might ask you, you know, if you were to start off a football academy in East India, you know, how would you go about it? What would be your go-to-market strategy? What would your market sizing strategy be? How would you market that? Who would you target? How much money would you spend across various forms of media? I mean, these are abstract, um, regular questions uh, through case studies, which which can force you to you know put structure to how you're thinking about things, and that in turn prepares you for a consultative interview process. Because most people, you know, they end up asking straight questions, but the really incisive ones will throw an open case to you and see how you react to a business scenario. Uh, in an interview. Shavik, you know, talking about the real estate sector, this is again a personal observation. You know, people of our age, generally talking about it, you know, turnout rate of students seeking jobs in the real estate sector has not been something very, that's something encouraging. Yeah. You won't really see people of our age going in for employment in the real estate sector. What is your take on it? Well, I think first of all, um, you know, the, the heterogeneous composition of real estate developers uh, is, is is a large point. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the, the, the sensing that is given out to a lot of young aspirants who are looking at, you know, uh, promising careers is that it's very unstructured, it's deregulated. Uh, of course, we have RERA coming in now. 
it's got a lot of very many different kinds of people assembling there so so does that really become a great draw for people you will be surprised however to note you know there are a lot of good b schools from where you know the top developers have started hiring across departments sales marketing procurement uh, crm teams um, finance because because the sector is increasingly realizing that um the value system is driven by great professionals the vision can be laid out by the founder member but the execution is what really matters and good value systems are what drive great organizations so i think the the tide is turning but yes for the very many um, developers that exist out there i think there are very few that have really been able to professionalize the decision making the execution and the roadmap for youngsters like y'all so i i think it's it's a natural um you know uh, amount of trepidation that people um i this particular sector with but at the same time things are turning because there's a definitive requirement necessity being the mother of invention is the definitive um acknowledgement that good people will lend credibility to the business uh adding up to this i think uh, one of the reasons is uh, uh, here is uh, the fact that people have a wrong perception uh, about Absolutely. developers so Absolutely. yeah uh, you know why why don't why why doesn't our population understand that uh, real estate can even be a clean uh, sector what's the problem with the mindset of the people shavik so well uh, um Amber and Ajit, I think what you've touched upon is a very, um, it's 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 a very legit observation. Um, think about it: the purchase cycle for a home, you know, the or the decision-making process for a home is probably one of the largest decisions a person is making. You're putting your life's hard-earned money. Uh, you're creating a lot of your, let's say, your uh, other asset classes, you know, savings, mutual funds, gold, take a loan from your parents, whatever, whichever way it is. there's a, there's a lot riding on that one singular decision and if you really look at the cases you know up north uh, some stray cases in you know maharashtra you look at down south there are stories of delayed delivery there are stories of cash deals there are stories of not getting completed so what happens is you know um, thanks to the humongous proliferation of media today uh, the noise value of these defaults is magnified to very large degree um there are large cases where you have you know there are there are two missing ingredients typically for faults one is the inability to deliver and the other is malintent there are a lot of cases you've had a mix of both when 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 a, when a very large developer has malintent he is actually duping thousands of buyers which is why you know the government felt it important that uh, a real estate regulatory authority comes into the picture but is that sufficient alone or is there also a question of will on part of the developer to deliver visualize deliver and be you know integrity driven towards what he's promised initially i think the general perception of the sector is um yes there, there is acknowledgement that it 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 leads to a lot of jobs but there is also a flip side which is magnified by the media um which talks about you know 
scores and hundreds and hundreds of undelivered or delayed projects now now technically what happens to the the common man he's paying emi on that project he's paying rent and his planning in so far as moving into his new home is concerned is off the radar and when that one person who's your buyer talks to uh, you know becomes the influencer or five other you know common people you can imagine the virality with which this sort of news flies travels and you're really stuck for life right you're putting a crore or more than a couple of crores in a unit and you're stuck which is undelivered your your project's not getting delivered what do you think will happen people will talk people will talk right we have simple news items getting you know amplified thanks to social media travel so fast these days so imagine the amount of um, disbelief but at the same time must also insist that um, for the most part there's a nobody gets into business to really you know do people people get in with the right intent and through a uh, uh, the course of events you know uh, plans change or the due diligence is not done or it's a discipline issue i think for the most part real estate lacks a large discipline disciplinarian approach which is where consultants and great a talent will come to the picture and hope to change the game yeah shobik digging deeper into the real estate business do you sure. consider the fact that real estate business in india they are generally family run businesses wherein you know the owners the people who are there at the helm of the organization they know the process of construction but not the process of branding and selling do you think these are causing major disruptions in the real estate sector of our country i think i think well alitish uh, to answer your question uh, you know there was a point of time when a developer could you know sell out 100 units purely through you know references or loyalty alone now what has happened is i think there's been a large democratization of real estate consumption and hence there have been multiple brands and hence there have been there has been the emergence of competition now in so far as that is concerned you have a great product you have a market out there a set of people willing to buy your product but in the absence of marketing and sales or a right instrument you are not able to sell the volumes commensurate to run your business so it's a very vicious cycle you have to understand the typical sales process um you know gathers about 40% uh, if you've just started excavation for a product and it's got a four year life cycle you're collecting about 40% in year 1 that 40% goes towards raw material purchase it goes towards part payment of the land buying process it goes towards paying salaries for uh, for all your staff it goes towards steel cement mortar whatever you know heavy instruments which are there so so if your sales and marketing machinery is not equipped to deliver the numbers which are required to sustain your business a you will end up going to an nbfc which is now after the ilfs saga uh, become a big question mark b you will be hard pressed to find recourse and what what do most developers do they slash prices or they give subventions the moot point here is people will not buy your product till they're convinced about your capacity to deliver and the quality of the product so slashing prices is not the solution you have to start selling at mrp and you have to start selling with integrity and in order to do so, so you have to have robust planning structures in place which allow for go to market strategies which in some sense give a developer predictability towards his cash flows so so long story short 
I think um, yes, um, most real estate businesses are owner driven because that's where the land is and the and the and the liaison and all of that the complex stuff happens. But real cash flows for a company are determined by marketing and sales and go-to-market strategies and differentiation. If you're ignoring that, you're leaving yourself open to competition. And anybody who's blending art and science with with media force is going to beat you the game. It's as simple as that. So you need as much as you need great construction, you also need great planning on sales, marketing, and go-to-market strategies. Your your pricing ladder. How is your pricing moving up over a period of time? What volume are you offsetting? Are you are you cutting out a certain tranche of inventory, and and then moving on to a different tranche of inventory at a different stage of construction within a single project? So there are ways and means to do that. And I think if you get that wrong, you're really selling in a hodgepodge manner, and then getting grounded after a point of time. So it's like it's like running. If I may really uh, make it simple, it's like running a. Fifteen hundred meter race. You can't be going all out in the first lap and then hope to win the race, right? You have to have a definitive strategy because it's a mid-long term race. It's a it's it's a five minute race or a three minute race. So you have to conserve. You have to expend. You have to strategize. You have to know where to you know uh, slow down. You have to know where to accelerate. You have to know when to accelerate. How much to accelerate. That is where a robust sales. um strategy and a robust marketing strategy comes fuses itself and delivers the goods yeah also i found out that the fdi in uh, the real estate industry is uh, quite low why is that so when all the sectors especially uh, nowadays you would see uh, even the retail sector also re- uh, receiving high amounts of fdi yeah So uh, well, uh, it it really harks back to a lot of what we've discussed earlier, Amber, which is uh, when you have a deregulated or unregulated uh, sector, uh, your cash flows can be erratic. The transparency around spends can be erratic. Uh, so what you really need is sharper due diligence. There were there have been instances of large players who've who've really been NBFCs turned marketing aggregates, right? So somebody who is giving a large loan to a developer also decides to put in a structure towards sales and marketing, but they have failed because because the money that they've loaned out is not being utilized in the right manner. So when you have deregulated sector, when you have no pricing control, obviously the FDI here would be a little stymied. Uh, but but that said, if you look at FDI <clears throat> early in the year, you had a fair amount of money coming in for commercial and retail spaces. now with covid of course the whole equity changes um uh, the other reason is you know there's a lot of dissonance in rera regulations across states um so so what is valid and legit in let's say mumbai uh, maharera is not necessarily legit in west bengal or up north in noida so there's a lot of ambiguity and uh, heterogeneous perception and reading between the lines in so far as rera and rules and regulations are concerned the second uh, the third thing is you know uh, there is a lock in period so typically you lock in um i think i think for 3 years but what happens is is 3 years really a legit period for uh, foreign investor to make significant money i think not today real estate prices are at an overheated state 
there will be a rationalization with a lot of unsold inventory um needing mobilization but in a heated price point at a heated price point does does a foreign investor really come in and expect to exit in 3 years making a large margin i think not uh that could be one of the reasons why they've not gotten into the game the fourth thing is a lot of real estate uh, you know purchases or investments are linked to infra development so so you have the golden quadrilateral you have uh, tertiary roads you have feeder roads you have you know different modes of transit connecting satellite cities to primary cities uh, wedging the gap bridging the gap between employability creating large commercial spaces outside uh, your immediate city precincts when that happens you will see a large um, you know sort of investment japan for instance the infra project um uh, which was connecting uh, the the amitabad with mumbai but then those those investment stories are few and far between real estate needs to needs to be far more regulated with you know price control with transparency with with a legit story towards um price progression and that's when you'll see players coming in there are few cases though i think embassy loda hiranandani godrej the branded ones have fairly cogent stories in place right now so so um, as 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 long as you know there is an attempt a conscious attempt for the next 3 to 4 years to stabilize the market you will see fdi coming in Shavik, you know, talking about real estate company, not yeah. many real estate companies have successfully listed themselves. But if you have a look at the FMCG brands, they have not only listed themselves, but they're also performing well on the stock exchange. What yeah. is your take on it? See, I, I largely think so. What happens is depends on the developer's appetite to borrow public money and grow the organization. Um, a lot of developers in india operate on debt so as long as they are able to service the debt they don't find it necessary to go public also when you go public you have to really disclose your books you have to like you have to have complete transparency up to a point of time there were you know non transparent deals there were cash deals uh, within the system then you have demonetization so obviously the government is also trying to put in checks and balances through these systemic shocks but um you in the absence of regularized operations how do you suppose that you know you'll have clean balance sheets and then the appetite to raise public capital and go to market so godrej has done that obera has done that loda had every intent of doing that uh, but i think the unstructured ones for the most part still operate like a mom and pop store so it's very hodgepodge in in the sense of your cash flows and and when you're borrowing public money you have to have clean balance sheets and a clean record to demonstrate and 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 sort of you know um be part you know your draft red herring prospectus has to have its due checks and balances so i think uh, that part is missing um uh, for this sector by and large and which is why you won't find a lot of unstructured or grade a negative or b grade players being listed it's also it also boils down to appetite how big do you want to grow and at what price yeah also uh, this is some sort of a curious question which just uh, arose in my mind so yeah. how is the uh, marketing strategy or um, 
different uh, basically for a real sure. estate brand for a fmcg brand or uh, a financial product like motela loss one okay so well i can i can i can a lot attempt to differentiate but i'll tell you what fundamentally goes into the creation of a, a, a marketing strategy i think uh, for the most part you know your life cycle of the real estate product is longer so for instance if you're making a 40 story tower or or a cluster of 40 story towers your life cycle of the product can be 4 to 5 years so necessarily your go to market strategy is not just to flash in the pan pre launch plus launch but it also has to have sustenance factored in so whenever you're planning you have to have a very solid story which holds good for the next 3 to 4 years then you break it up in quarters and devise what inventory you want to sell uh, at what price you want to sell to draw in the requisite investor bases as well as the end user bases um you have to factor in a lot of unstructured players so in a given micro market you can have a grade a player who's operating at a 15 20% margin over the rest of the market so your marketing strategy for such a situation has to be it could be very many ways it could be a penetrative price point where you as a graded player equate yourself with the rest of the market to offset a large volume uh, where you could have a premium pricing to still derive higher profitability for what you're launching it could it could need to factor in demand side flux because given that you know this is one of the largest purchases that a person is making demand side flux is dependent on job security on um macroeconomic conditions such as you know home loan rates on 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 inflation on growth on on what sort of you know how the other asset classes are also performing so a lot of cases will have conditional sale of property or you know liquidation of mutual funds to shore in a large part of your initial down payment towards home acquisition so your go to market strategy or your marketing strategy has to factor in everything what is my sourcing story in terms of brand in terms of you know what product i'm uh, inventory i'm taking out there what is the price point how i'm going to move that price point across the next 3 to 4 quarters what is my closing story which is the why buy now so you have a why buy which is a great brand and a great product and you have a why buy now the why buy now could be subvention it could be a, an offer it could be um, limited inventory and so on and so forth So I think I think uh trying to drive urgency of purchase in a you know fairly expensive category that itself by definition demands differentiated thinking from the rest of your um you know purchase categories or assets and especially when you're operating in a B2C segment the B2C segment like I said this is probably one of the most if not the most important and expensive decisions a person will make you know at best you buy a you know sedan which is 25 30 lakhs let's say when you're buying a home you're spending expending upwards of a couple of crores so the decision making is is compressed to a you know a four week cycle a three week cycle how do you really do that and that's where your marketing strategy has to be designed differently your distribution exercise has to be designed differently your churning of the market has to be far more voluminous far more intense far more perceptive and value centric when it comes to a, a ticket size of this order yeah 
how do you see the real estate industry panning out in the future and what are the trends that you think would develop in the industry starting from 2020 well i think 2020 um, if you look at the first quarter itself right jan feb march i don't think there was much of a flux there we were getting wind of you know covid um i think for the most part there are a few uh, disturbing trends which is a large you know aggregation of unsold inventory so you'll see fewer launches for sure um if that you'll see grade a developers moving more inventory purely because there's more credibility around their cash flows and their operations and their ability to create and deliver products you will see consolidation across smaller players who are unable to now suddenly fund themselves um through you know for for construction or operations you might see price stabilization i'm not saying a dipping but you might see a price stabilization uh which is you know a heated market is now reacting to the supply demand in equilibrium by really stabilizing the price to drive that um uh, the purchase cycle you might see an emergence of you know people might end up favoring ready to move in products because that's really de-risked plus the government's really incentivized that by not charging the gst component on that uh, plotted development will always be popular because land is not really something which is manufactured anymore so land acquisition on which you can build up your own bungalow your own house or you know even like sort of um, keep it as an asset class as one of your you know part of your portfolio i think that will not go out of vogue uh, as long as you know it's it's from a credible developer um i might we might also see a few products and services altered in the wake of covid so for instance you know um geriatric the geriatric community the 70 plus 65 plus community which is now suddenly hard pressed to find essential supplies uh, being delivered to the doorstep can you make your townships or your your developments more well integrated which take care of every age spectrum right from the little child uh, which demands four year security a school close at hand a crash to you know the working community which can probably like drive down to work in a 10 minute span to um you know um support systems services <clears throat> app based features for older people and of course uh, i think what will also come back into vogue which has already been in vogue for a while are you know is integrated developments where you have a office school retail restaurants and commercial you know spaces and homes all integrated within a large development so i think these are some trends it's not rocket science out there but for the most part i definitely see um a lot of very good developers drive the value systems in this ecosystem and a lot of great b great c developers perish which is which is i think a natural cleansing and evolutionary process which is necessary shovik thank you so much for patiently answering all our questions and thank you for coming to our podcast what would be your tip to someone who is willing to change his or her career path or someone who is not sure of what career path he or she has to cater to or charter to i think i think um one has to really assess very brutally you know what they like to do and what they're good at and what is the marketability of that skill set so one might say i like to travel but that's a very abstract uh you know talent 
you might like to travel but are you a great journalist uh, you know journalistic talent you like the financial markets but do you have a really good head for numbers and drawing inferences from news so i think a brutal assessment of what you're good at and what has marketability um it is rare that the intersection of what you really like meets commercial value meets work satisfaction and i think this whole hopla of work satisfaction initially has to go uh, the old school rigor of you know back to the wall hours the more hours you give uh, to a certain job will in turn enforce a certain amount of discipline and lucking in your brain so anybody is looking at a shift has to first understand why they are shifting and what they are shifting to and then it becomes a dearest option so i have made a few shifts in my life but they've never been risky shifts which is what i was trying to say at the onset um i think it's again economics when you're looking at a job you're looking at economics the economics of uh what you have and what the market is willing of uh, to pay a fair price around that as long as the two are reconciled reasonably you can you know strike out in the market and look for a you know commensurate job my advice is don't be hasty think hard um dig deep learn as much as you can and oftentimes you know you'll chance upon something by accident or by osmosis so get get a great network going discuss with people surround yourself with smart people and some one way or the other you'll have some avenue coming up okay so uh, we have a couple of questions from students of our campus um sure. in a situation like covid-19 out of the seven p's of the marketing mix uh, should the brands focus on people or place uh, aka channel uh, should brands increase their advertising budget or not uh, this question is from vibhavari our pgdm student so um i think um, i'm assuming that what she's asking is really pertinent to this time and space and not beyond so so if it is in a situation like covid-19 as i read it i think there's nothing that you can not focus on so from a product perspective let's say people when you're saying people that's really your consumer and i think as long as your story is integral to the need of the consumer and it's honest about it um you will have something credible to sustain yourself uh, this is a very good time to reconnect with your consumer bases to understand what they like what they did not like where you can go better do a lot of soul searching a lot of qualitative and quantitative research um uh, in in a not so you know uh intrusive way i think this is a time to connect with your consumer and tell them why why and how you stand by them but at the same time mindful of business i don't think um uh, channel can be sort of isolated but yes my choice of channel will now be driven by the channels which people are consuming for instance there's been a very large digitization you know people are doing a lot of meetings online zoom meetings and so on and so forth so does that also conversely mean that there's fatigue towards <clears throat> digital media to some extent does that mean that i'll have to find new alliances for reaching out to them in the absence of new sprint reaching them in the absence of them going to multiplexes for a movie in the absence of them driving their cars and listening to radio 
so what is it that you know my channel should be so i would not really sort of isolate one for the other in in a tight situation like this brands have a moral responsibility as much as a business responsibility to reach out to the consumers through well thought thought through channels and the right message you're not pushing you're not coercing you're just planting a seed of thought people need comfort now people are very they're worried they're hoping to you know get back into uh, the mainstream uh, system of doing business that said i must also advise you know whenever you look at large crises like this happening and nobody's really seen this this is like a once in a century you look at the great depression followed you know by um the the jazz age you look at baron stearns when it came, when we came out of that lehman brothers uh cons- conservative economy like india really withstood you know the aftershocks because we never really lived so much on credit a conservative mentality preserved um you know good sense you look at uh, this you know the real estate crisis back in 2008 9 india still held good it was a good, it was a, of course a buyers market at that point of time but india held good so after every downturn there is aggregated demand which bursts through um but in a crisis situation one cannot really leave out any of these you know either your consumer or your channel now in so far as brand budgets are concerned if you have minimized channels if you're not spending on print if you're not spending so much on television or maybe you are if you have if you're an fmcg company if you're not doing so much radio or or you know outdoors i think it is but natural that you spend more money on tactical media your marketing budgets definitely will dwindle and your budgets are a function of revenue you can't be blindsided to just marketing and not getting revenue so i w- i would think budgets would be disproportionately aligned now to media that works but definitely there will be a diminishing of spends i mean uh, if you so have just get all the spends yeah okay so this question is from danish t our question is should a common man who wants higher returns in the longer run invest in real estate or into financial products which according to you is a better option and why well i think i'm always in a favor of a balanced portfolio um so i think the terms which really caught my um yeah were long run i think long run today is is also a function of how how long you see a cycle of growth to be to my mind it's nothing less than 5 to 6 years if you have 5 to 6 horizon then you are better off investing some part in real estate some part in gold some part in mutual funds everybody's you know beating up the sensex and mutual funds but and and thus real estate it doesn't work like that uh mutual funds are a function of you know market sentiments a lot of other sectors you know primed to grow or not grow but but i think no single asset class is is a great option again in in singularity so you have to distribute your wealth in order for it to grow in the long run real estate is best advised for places which have large infrastructural potential and credibility like in bangalore i can think of north bangalore which is uh, the devanahalli part close to the airport where you have a business park coming up you have a 1.21 lakh crore investment 
in Noida and Greater Noida, the Jewar Airport, which is probably the fifth or sixth largest airport in the whole world, being commissioned, um, that will create to a lot of job creation. So anywhere around that is a good idea. In Bombay, you know the Navi Mumbai precinct, which has Uran. Um, you have the airport. You have the sea link. I think that side is again of large potential. So one has to really understand if it is monetary growth. It has to be locked in for a fairly long time, um, and you're best doing that with a grade A credible developer in a pre at a pre-launch stage. So you have to be very careful and very you know very selective in where you park your money. Um, but yes, I would do a bit of everything. Um, I would probably put some part in real estate where markets are likely to explode. Width of seven to eight year horizon, if not more. Okay, uh, so uh, Shavik, we have some quickies for you. So, what sure. would you choose uh, between Bengaluru or Mumbai? <laughs> Mumbai. I I cut my teeth there. I cut my teeth there. I, um, I, I I I I sort of reached there when I was twenty-two, uh, just having worked one year in the advertising industry. At very little, very competitive place, can-do attitude, um, great place, great people, lot of struggles, and I think I spent half my life out there, so I have a definitive bias for that. Bangalore is much more dignified, much more polished, great place again, but I don't mind st- shuttling between the two, which is what I was doing pre-COVID. What is your favorite investment in gadgets? In gadgets? Yeah, gadgets. I'm not much of a gadget person, but I think um, yeah, Alexa was really an interesting one. We could dim your lights and you know give commands. It's 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 it's. I think it's it's a very popular urban phenomenon, right? Where you can co- order someone to get something done. Okay, uh, so what's the best time of your life till now? I think right now is the best time of my life. Uh, somebody, a couple of young, bright youngsters interviewing me. To get my insights, um, I was in your shoes once. I think it's a privilege, and definitely, uh, you know, it's a fantastic feeling to be uh, share thoughts with bright people like you all. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Any stuck? Any struggle that has taught you a lot in your lifetime? Yes. In fact, um, so real estate initially, you know, uh, when I was doing when I. Initially joined marketing at Loda Group. Um, I, I came from a fairly indisciplined, you know, advertising background, but I was still, you know, fairly disciplined in my approach. The rigor that Loda put me through, through my bosses, through peers, the rigor, the pain, um, a lot of working weekends, a lot of back to the wall strategizing and executing those things, those ideas, a lot of cross vertical collaboration. It was a it was a tall order because I, I used to get a lot of stick. I was a fairly senior recruit. And I used to get a lot of stick from my boss, but 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 yeah, I could have you know I had the fight or flight uh, syndrome uh, options available to me, and at that point I, I chose to stick around because at the end of the day the guy the gentleman had a great temper, but his his intent was good. It was pure, and he wanted to make a better professional out of me. So so for me. That culture of pain actually shaped my attitude towards work, towards 
respect towards work you know so i respect a lot of input we are an input driven function marketing and strategy so the richer your input the harder you work the better um are the probabilistic chances of it being successful so yeah lotha group was a great struggle initially but a great learning uh, curve for me. okay uh, so which is your favorite among the two real estate or advertising <laughs> tough one i would say real estate okay so that's it from our side so shavik did you like our podcast any positives or negatives you would like to point out well i loved it i i i feel your questions were perceptive um there there might be some nuances uh for a lot many people who are really looking at it see real estate is a sector which can technically contribute to a large part of the gdp in the years to come it's just that it's a little deregulated it's a little half hazard at this point of time and there have been players who've tried to sort of regulate it and i think they actually get there because the intent overshadows the um the larger ecosystem around so for every 10 bad apples that you have you will have, even if you have half a good apple you know i think i think it's a good starting point uh, your podcast was also um, very perceptive um in 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 so far as the questions were concerned uh, the air time was just right lot of curiosity i hope this reaches out to people and you know whoever's curious to understand um how this place works how uh, career shifts can happen i'm happy to you know front them um and i think it's a great uh utilization of time to be talking to both of you on a sunday afternoon uh, rather than you know daily dining with the newspaper or netflix i think um that's 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 a great opportunity i think it's a great initiative that both of you uh taken and i think your school should encourage more of this reach out to people i think there's a lot of hidden talent in in the senior level ranks or mid senior level ranks within industries where we can all learn from each other and now is the best time really Uh, thank you so much shovi for taking out time from a busy schedule and uh, thank you guys thank you for tuning into business rendezvous it's, it's an absolute pleasure and thank you very much ambar ajitesh wish you both the very best and um, thank you for having me over.